Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We give you thanks, Lord, for a house that worships in spirit and in truth. We give you thanks for your spirit, O oh God, that convicts us of sin and teaches us and leads us on the way we should go so that we're not orphans, that we might inherit all your precious and incredible promises, that they be fulfilled in our life. We give you thanks for a grace that abounds. We give you thanks for the forgiveness of sin in the blood. We give you thanks for the church, an overcoming body of believers that love you more than life itself. The bride of Christ, spotless, radiating, without spot or wrinkle. We pray, Father God, that your word this morning would continue to minister to us, that we would press in to become the full measure and stature, the fullness of perfect man that serves you with excellence in all things. Transform our thoughts that we not be conformed to this world, but that we be renewed in our mind and present ourselves as living sacrifices in this world to show forth your glory to the nations. Fill us with your wisdom this morning. Allow us to see things that are not to be seen with the physical eye, but are seen with the eyes of our understanding. Allow your word to prosper in our hearts. Let it be a good seed. Let it be the bread of life. Let it be a double-edged sword. Father, that your word does not return void, but it fulfills that which you sent it out for. And allow the enemy to be destroyed and defeated in our lives, Lord. We rebuke him in Jesus' name. We cast him out, all distraction, all his work of unbelief, intimidation, and fear. We give you thanks for your presence in our lives and your purpose to glorify your name upon the earth. Be glorified today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We've been talking about world-changing proof. And as we just saw on this video clip, that the shadow proves the rays of the sun. And these men who followed Jesus Christ in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, he says these words, he says, uh, 1 John 1, I'm sorry, 1 John 1, chapter 1, verse 1. He says these things, you're going to see all that he puts together. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning we have heard. Some people are not walking in the reality of their Christian life because they still have not taken the time to hear. That which we have seen with our eyes, there's evidence to be seen. There's evidence to be discovered. That which we have looked upon, that word looked, gazed upon. We've, we've kept our eyes on it for a while. We've seen these things, we've heard it, we're keeping focus on them which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Everything that concerns Jesus Christ. In verse 2 he says like this, The life which was shown to us we have seen and we are witnesses, we bear witness to declare that abundant life, eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. We've tapped into certain things, verse 3, that we have seen and we have heard and now our declaration, 
we open our mouth enough to make a declaration of the things we know so that you might join with us in that communion with Jesus. It's the only way that people could be connected. And a lot of people are not connected because of our blindness, our deafness, our inability to really look into these matters, our inability to be tangible and manifested. And, and so it's necessary that if we will change the world, if we will impact our generation, that it first be real with us. We cannot give what we do not have. We cannot show what we have not seen. We cannot speak of what we have not heard. And so that's why we're pressing in to these matters. And it doesn't have to be a multitude. It could just be one. In verse 4, he says these words. These things are the ones we write about to you so you might experience a high measure of joy. What the world is looking for. And they haven't found it because they haven't looked into these matters sufficiently. They haven't found it because it hasn't been real to us. It needs to be real. That's what we're talking about. What's the difference between a real Christian and a non-real Christian? Well, let me suggest that a real Christian, uh, seen there in John chapter 4, when one person comes to see, to hear, to touch, to feel, to experience, she goes back into her town and the whole town come out to see Jesus. One woman who had a real experience, John chapter 4. The Bible says that the Lord knew it was time. Let's start reading in verse um, 3. John 4, 3, he says like this, he left Judah and returned to Galilee. In verse 4, it says it was necessary for him to go through Samaria. It wasn't common for people to go through Samaria, especially if you were... Uh, of Jewish background they didn't want to mix so but he's going through there and verse 5 it says in doing so he arrived at Samaritan town called Sychar near a parcel of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph and there was Joseph's well verse 6 so Jesus was tired and he came and sat by the well in verse 7 uh, there came a woman of Samaria to come and drink some water so there it is, and Jesus says to her, give me some drink. That encounter with Christ and this woman, that, that contact created some incredible, incredible results. Farther down in this chapter, we would go, uh, just so that you know, look at the consequences, all, all at, the, at, at the bottom Verse 42, the consequence of it being real in the life of one person is that the whole woman, the whole town comes out to see what she saw, what she heard, what she felt, what was real to her. And they said like this, they said to the woman, we now believe not because what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know this is indeed Christ the Savior of the world. Now, I would like to ask you what has been the impact of what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've felt, what's been real to you. 
How many people are coming to find what you have? How many people are seeing what's real in your life? And so we're asking, let's quit imagining ourselves to be Christians when there's no fruit and evidence. We're talking about proof of being a Christian. We've, we've spent three weeks on this, and, and you can get the previous messages. But we want to press into this so that we're not deceived. Because in the last days, many people will be self-deceived. They'll say, Lord, I'm preaching in your name. I know you. I'm doing things. Lord, Lord. And he says, listen, you're not connected to me. You're not connected. Don't call me Lord, Lord. On that day, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And we want to be going, bah. We want to be sheep and not goats. And, and so you can, you can press into this thing to find out what a sheep's attitude is. What, what the sheep does, what a sheep, it says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. One of the curses that happened in the Middle East was goats. Because goats leave no evidence of fruitfulness. They devour everything. There is no, there's, there's no evidence. One of the things they said about the goats, um, every place in the Middle East, this is talking about the Jordan, Egypt, Israel, uh, the whole area of Syria and Lebanon, they said that it used to be a very fruitful land. There was grass and green stuff everywhere. It was a land that flowed with milk and honey. So everywhere you go, and it has the words ruins, they say the reason it became ruins is because the goats came in. And the goats were like, and they're like, where's the trees? Where's the leaves? Where's the fruit? There's nothing. It's desert. Because a goat only lives for himself. He doesn't, he's not, he's not producing anything. A goat doesn't produce anything. A sheep is producing the wool. It's producing the warmth of covering. It's producing uh, offspring. And so we need to say, Lord, I want to be a sheep. I don't want to be a goat. I don't want to devour my marriage, my family, my church. I'm a taker and not a giver. It's a big difference. And so the genuineness and the proof of us being, I, I want to ask you that in the next couple of days, weeks, and months, say, listen, I need to see God. I need to hear God. I need to touch God. I need to look upon these things so that my life produces the fruitfulness so this world might come. And, and I, I praise God for the Samaritan woman. She had a lot of obstacles in her life that kept her from being able to come to the Lord. A lot of things in her life were, were strongholds. They were thoughts that had been uh, established. First, in verse 9, she says, How is it that you, being a chosen person, are talking to me who is not chosen? For the Jews should not have anything to do with Samaritans. There are some people that feel that God has a relationship with the pastor, has a relationship with the pastor's wife, with Kenny, with Jenny, has a relationship with, with the people. Listen, God wants a relationship with you personal, personal to you, and show you his love, you know, with detailed precision, so methodical, so amazing. A personal relationship. That's what we said was the pr first proof. Uh, we said it at the first time we shared in 1 Corinthians. We're going to read it real quick. 
What is the proof that, that you're a real Christian? 1 Corinthians 1.9. The, the real Christian doesn't have a relationship with the church, doesn't have a relationship with a pastor. Doesn't, th this is not the basis of his Christianity. The real Christian has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It says, God is faithful, and it's by Him you were called into a relationship, a fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know these people that bring up 50,000 excuses as to why they don't get serious with God, and the only reason I stand here serious with God is Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with Him. And so it doesn't matter what else happened or where else it's happening because he's shown me his love and that to me is sufficient. I don't point to 50 other things that, that justify. We said it this week. A friend of mine says, Joaquin, I grew up in church. I could write a, a book this thick of how twisted the church is, how horrible it is, how full of... And I said, you, my friend, are a wicked man because you choose to talk about a book this thick about things that are wrong, but there are things this thick about things that are right. There are things that God has done that far surpass anything that you could point at on a negative scale. Who are we to challenge God? I'm embarrassed the day that Jesus came to knock on the door of my heart and I begin to question him. Like, well, I'll think about giving my heart to you if, if you bless me. Bless me? What is Jesus dying on the cross then? He's already blessed me. He's already given his best so that I wouldn't go to hell and I'm sitting there arguing and negotiating and compromising. So here it is, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ was the first and foremost proof of our Christianity. We talked about Jonathan Edwards and how he said, um, the, he said uh, they, they interviewed him during the Great Awakening. In the 1700s, they said, you know, some all these people that are coming to Jesus Christ, all these people everywhere coming to Jesus Christ, how do we know that they're real Christians? How do you know it's not emotional? And he says, this is the proof of a real Christian. He has holy affection. That means he has an inward desire to please God above all things at all times in every place. That, that's the mark of a Christian. You live for God. You no longer live for yourself. And so we continue on to say that, that, that this woman was questioning God. How come you're talking to me if you're Jewish and I'm Samaritan? We have to get past all these things. God has chosen you, period, end of story. He's reaching out to you. It's amazing how, how God uh, uh, portrays. How, you know, these men who saw, who heard, who gazed upon, who touched... What, who was doing all the presentation? Could I tell you that the God of the universe has displayed his goodness so that you have no excuse? We talked about this to the men on Monday night. We said in Romans 1.20, we told the men, listen, you could act like a clown. You could, you could be indifferent. You could be apathetic. But the day you stand before God, the Bible says they are without excuse. You're not going to have any excuse. Well, my pastor, well, my church, well, see, well, one day I just, I just, listen, no excuse, not before me, 
Not before the church, not before our society and our culture, before God. All he's done our entire life is to show us his eternal power, to show us his glory, to, to prove, to reveal to us the greatness of God so that they are without excuse. The vision of Spring of Life Fellowship is that no one would have an excuse. Don't, don't excuse yourself because th th we're not taking excuses. There are too many reasons why we ought to live like God wants us to live. Too many reasons. So we press on to this woman who continues to say, Oh, you guys are Jewish. We're Samaritan. This, this well is too deep. You don't have anything to carry my problems with. The Jews say we worship on this mountain. Uh, us Samaritan uh, worship on another mountain. She's coming up with so many excuses. And he says, woman, God is looking for true worshipers. That's the bottom line. Looking for the authentic, real thing. And we talked about those having a relationship with Jesus, those being sensitive to sin. We talked about those obey the word of God, those who obey the word of God. Last week, we talked about the fourth test, which is not to love the world. The Bible says in 1 John 2.15 that if you love the world, you don't have a clue about loving God the Father. And those who, who love the world and the things of the world, listen, the Bible says for you to run from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Don't get entangled there because that's a good place to get stuck. All that is in the world, all these things are passing. They're good for nothing. This is not from the Father, but... It says, is of the world. And, and you're not to be in the world. You're not to be engaged in what the world is engaged with. Uh, last night, I had the opportunity to see the biography of Warren Buffett, one of the men who, who in our generation has, is the wealthiest man in the world, one of the top three. And, and it was sad. Here's what was sad about it. Ready? There was only one topic that was spoken in his house as he was growing up. Does anybody want to guess? Money. From the time he woke up and he was like Matthew and Julian, the topic in the house was money. And the only thing the guy knows how to do is to make money. And pretty soon his wife left him. He ended up in an adulterous affair. He's, he's not benefited the issue, he says, and I'm not going to leave my children any of our money. Thanks, Dad. Isn't that great? But how sad it is that this world presents to you a case that causes you to be ignorant of eternal life. Of living the purpose and the glory of God. That's all the guy does is make money. That's all he knows how to do is make money. And, and he's become the epitome of what the Bible says... Um, in Revelations chapter 3, verse 17, which says, you think you are rich. You say, I'm, I'm rich and I become wealthy and I don't need anything. But you do not know you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. You've missed it. And so I don't want to miss it. I, I think a real authentic Christian is not going to be entertained and distracted by the world. Trust me, in, in Jesus' life, 
uh, the devil showed him the glory of the kingdoms of the earth. He showed him how to turn, he, he says, turn this stone into bread, uh, throw yourself off this cliff, challenge yourself with your personal pursuits. And, and listen, he says, uh-uh, I'm going to follow the Father. I'm going to worship the Father. I, I'm not going to be part of this world. And so getting into understanding that to not love the world is also proof evidence. We've been running from the world now for 30 years. I told one young man in my office last week, the difference between you and I, my friend, is that you're chasing the world. And a real Christian runs. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brothers, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice. Now you belong to God. Something that would live acceptably to God. That's a real Christian. That is doing what is reasonable. That word reasonable, is, it's, it, it's logical. It's our reasonable service. Verse 2. How do we do that? Be not conformed. Verse 2. Don't take the form of the world. If you're following the world's advice for your future, you're shot. Are you just doing a, a video? GE came out with this thing saying, my mom creates underwater fans that are powered by the moon. My mom uh, creates airplanes that talk to each other. My mom uh, f- f- makes trains that are friends with, with uh, trees. My mom is able to, my mom, my mom is everywhere but at home, pleasing God the Father, raising up world-changing children. So last night when we were talking with Matthew and we were talking with Ashley, they said, that's not like my mom. My mom picks us up at school. Those kids lit up. Why? Because Jenny, many years ago, made a decision not to conform to the world's calling. And she's going to be praised. The Bible says a woman who raises up a family will be praised at the city gate. She will be known. Her, her descendants will, will raise up as champions. This is not my words. This is, this is biblical truth. This is paying a price, giving fruit. It says not being conformed to this world, being transformed, thinking different. You're not going to be different if you think the same as the world. A Christian thinks differently. That's why the world hates them. We said that last week. They hate, they, they hate, um, let's go to Ch- John chapter 17, verse 14. Christians are not looked upon in the world as attractive. The world thinks Warren Buffett is awesome. They think Ellen DeGeneres is worthy to, 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 to a point to listen to. And he says, I've given them your word and the world hates them. They are not of the world, just like I'm not of the world. If you feel different, good. That's a good sign. That's a fruitful sign. Why? Because the world hates us. In regards to the issues, verse 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them, in, uh, keep them from the evil world. I mean, keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. We, we need to understand that and, and settle it once and for all. And today we're going to talk about evidence in the fifth category. The fifth category is we're living for the time of the appearing of Christ. 1 John 3, 3. This has to burn in our hearts 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Everyone who has real faith, real relationship with God, 
is purifying himself. Is walking in such a manner that he wants to be pure. Pure is found right. Singleness. Why? Why is it? Why do we pursue purifying ourselves, making it real? Verse uh, two. Let's back up. I'm going to show you two, 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 verse before. Beloved, we are the children of God. It's not been revealed yet what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, when He shows up, we're going to be like Him. For we shall see him as he is. A real Christian is looking forward to the day that Jesus Christ returns. And if you believe that, you're moving in the direction of what pleases him. I remember one time, <coughs> excuse me, I was in my office. It was the first year, it had been one year that I practiced law. And I had a year's worth of work that had been done, 12 months. And, and when you work as a lawyer, you're, you're saving all your files. And so every file becomes a pattern and an example for your future work and clients. And at the end of the first year, something happened to my computers where I called a young man. And, and uh, you know, when you're starting out as a law practice, you don't have a lot of money. So he was going to charge me very cheap. And he started working on my computers, and he erased all my files. And when he erased all my files, my first reaction was to kill him. I wanted to grab him by the throat and say, you, my friend, are an imbecile. You cannot come to a law office and erase all the files of a whole year's worth of work. So those were my sentiments that were pouring out. And I had to leave where he was and go to my office and say, Lord, give me patience. Because if the rapture happens today, I don't want to stay. And the only reason I didn't offend him and kill him was because I didn't want to stay on the rapture. So a real Christian lives like this all the time. He, his concern is not what's going on in this world, but what is going to happen in the next. So um, recently we had an issue in our house. We had to put in an assurance claim because of underground plumbing just caved in. And so we lost all our plumbing. We had to rebuild our house. And so I put a claim into our insurance. And they said, no, Mr. Molina, if you don't say that the water came out of the bathroom and damaged your walls and your furniture, we will not cover the claim. And that just takes one breath of a sentence. The water came out of the bathtub and ruined my God. Listen to me. The rapture was worth more than all the claims that I could put in. And so I was just at a friend's place and they said, I know the same thing happened to me, but I had to lie. Because these people are thieves, these insurance people. With no offense with those in the insurance industry. <laughs> but she says, I lied. I said, well, the same thing happened to me, but I don't want to stay on the rapture. And so that is reality. That means I believe what I believe and I'm getting ready for it and I'm purifying myself. I'm getting ready to leave with God. And so I live like that. I live each day knowing that Christ is about to return and it burns in my heart and, and that is proof in the pudding. And some of you are holding grudges and you're living like and there is no rapture and, and that's sad. 
That's really sad because the Bible says there, 1 John 3, 3, that everyone who has this hope is walking in more purity, getting more, more real. This is the, everyone who has this hope in them is super tied into the rapture, into the coming of the Lord, just as he is pure. Do you love Christ? That you are so eager to see his face, his return? Romans chapter 8 verse 20 says that all of creation is anticipating. Is, is trying to find out, verse 22. For we know the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. We want to see God show up on the scene. Let's see verse 23. Not only that, but we also who have this, the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our bodies, that God would come looking for what is His. If you read with me um, 1 John chapter 3, these three things, verse 1, Beloved, we are the children of God and has not yet been revealed what we shall be when He is revealed. When Christ appears, we're going to see Him. We will be instantly made like Him. Philippians 3.20, Our citizenship, we're connected to heaven. Look what it says. From which we, can you say the word eagerly? That's a sentiment that you're eagerly waiting for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's a feeling inside of you. Woo, Jesus is about to show up. I'm, my, my hope is not 10 years from now on the earth or 20 years or 100 years. If that happens, praise God. We're changing the nations. But my day-to-day -day expectation is he's going to show up now. And I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. That's a real Christian. We eagerly wait for the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, to come. What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for the lotto. I'm going to hit the lotto. Everyone who has this hope is purifying themselves. Everyone who has experienced this grace, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. This is, this is what... what shows the reality of a Christian walk. Ready for this? It says, the grace of God, that comes from heaven, brings salvation and has appeared to all men. There's something from heaven that has come to the earth and it's available, say, for all men. All men means all men, Warren Buffett included. Adolf Hitler, every man has the ability to be tap into the grace of God. And this grace brings salvation. Verse 12. What does the grace do? It teaches us to walk away from things that are ungodly, from things that are worldly, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in our culture and generation. That God will equip us for righteousness, for sober living, which means balanced living, godly, having the character of Christ. 
Well, what for? Verse 13. Because this grace of God prepares you to look for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our great God. This grace prepares you to be ready. How many want to be ready? Fill yourself with grace. Because the grace will teach you to say no to the world. The grace will teach you to say no to ungodliness. How was Joseph able to run from Potiphar's wife real fast? And when they asked him, why are you running away from seduction and attraction and unfaithfulness? He says, because I can't, I can't fail my God. I love my God. So he's running away from sin. What for? Looking for, for that glorious returning of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the saddest days upon the earth will be when people leave and you stay behind. And you say, well, why? Because you did not move in the direction of your expectation. One of the saddest things that we talked about last year, ending in December, was you only receive what you are expecting. You're only going to get what you prepare for. If you don't prepare for something, you won't be ready when it comes. And the Bible is full of those explanations of two will be in the field. One will be taken up and the other left behind. Two will be in a bed. One is getting prepared and purified and right with God and the other one left behind. And so the proof of a real Christian, the authenticity of our Christianity, is that we're getting prepared to be ready at the Lord's return. These, these desires to please God will move us in that direction. We see a pattern of decreased sin in our life. 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Because sin is lawlessness. Doing that which is wrong is not impressive, my friend. Doing that which is wrong is a travesty for you. Verse 5. And you know that he was manifest to take our sins away. And in him there is no sin. He's constantly, this is, this is why there's an affection towards him. Because to him who has been forgiven much, loves much. And I'm on the first, I'm the first one on that list. My love for God is the immensity of his forgiveness and his washing and his love. He who loves covers a multitude of faults. I've seen him love me. And so he's constantly taking away our sin. Verse 6, he is coming to our life. Whoever abides in him does not sin. You're connected to him. That's not your desire. I told the Lord when I gave my heart to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want to be in church thinking about sinning. If I'm going to church, it's because you have removed an appetite and desire for sin. And that is the work of His Holy Spirit. That's the work of His presence. If you're in Him, your inclination is not to sin. Whoever sins has neither seen Him nor known Him. If, if you still have an appetite to run after the world, it's because you need to get connected to Christ. And as you're connected to Christ, your desire will be to please Him all the more and more. Verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices those things which are right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Verse 8. He who sins, 
He is chasing the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested so that he might destroy the works of the devil. I told them, I told them when I, I asked them to come into my heart, Lord, destroy any semblance of a desire to follow after Satan. I can't do that. I said, I can't do that. But that is his work. For this reason, for this purpose, Jesus came. To destroy the works of the devil. And we see that power working in us. How he's destroying all that stuff in a powerful manner. Verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. There's, there's holy seed. I was driving to court one day about 10 years ago. And I said, Lord, what is the difference between Christianity and knowing you and believing in God and somebody who believes in another religion just as fervent, just as serious? He's dedicated to other things. He says like this, it's only Jesus Christ and his work on the cross that destroys sin. That's, that's the big difference. In no other religion, yesterday I was watching a program. There was a Mormon guy married to five women. And these guys cannot stop in their perversion and wickedness. Why? There's only power in the blood of the Lamb. There's only uh, the work of Christ is the one that does that work. It's called regeneration. What's the opposite of regeneration? Degenerate. It's one that, that you are a respectable businessman, family man, and you go chasing another woman. That's called a degenerate. But in Christ, these guys that were super unfaithful become regenerated to be righteous, loving, godly husbands. That's, that's the work of the Spirit of God. It's only uh, possible connected to God. And then let's go to verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are shown. Whoever does not practice that which is right is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. We're going to get into that next week. A real big sign of you being a real Christian is that you love those that are next to you. Those that worship with you. You're not coming to the house of God for you. You're coming to serve your brother. You're coming to serve your sister. You're coming to, to lighten the load of the body of Christ. So here it is split right down the middle. A child of God wants to practice what's right. And a child of Satan is seen for desiring not to practice that which is right. There are people that constantly come to church <clears throat> and they don't even know what right or wrong is. And so when that line is drawn, and this is what I told the young man, he's addicted to all sorts of, of sexual deviancy. And I said, look, it's not a problem that you have all these issues in your life. The problem starts when there's a line between righteous and unrighteous. The things that God wants you to do and the things God doesn't want you to do. Then the word of God rightly divides that. That line is right there drawn. If after that line is drawn, you continue to do what is wrong, you are wicked. You are ungodly. You are destined to be with the devil and all his demons in the pit of hell. And God calls you to repent. See, this is something that you can do. You say, I don't want to go there. That's what I said. 
I was going straight to hell head first. And I said, Lord, I don't want to go there. I want to do what pleases you. If I continue to do that which doesn't please God, and I'm like, wow, forget these Christians. Who do they think they are? And they don't know. And all, all the arguments that justify you continued wickedness when you already know where the line is, my friend, you are perverted, you're wicked, you're a degenerate, and you're destined to hell. And there's no, there's no, a lot of pastors says, well, pastor, you don't have to be so strong like that. Listen to me. My responsibility is to be able to those that are confused and lost that where the line is. God doesn't want you to cheat on your wife. That's righteousness over here. You want to continue doing what doesn't please God? You're wicked. You might not have known that at the beginning. Because in this world, people are lost. They're like, well, I don't know if I'm a man or I'm a woman. Okay, listen to me. Here's the line. This is what God wants you to do. If you continue wanting what God does not want, you're wicked. You're perverted. You have embraced Satan as your God and not the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to, and I've told people like this, I said, listen, God himself is not going to pick you up and put you in righteousness. He will show you where the line is and expects you to move in that direction with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the grace of God, with prayer, with everything he gives us to be able to live like champions, but he's not going to force you. He's never going to, some man was driving to a striptease bar, and he says, well, if God stops me before I get there, it means he wants me to go there. See how twisted people are? I'm going to go see my girlfriend, and if, if I don't get in a car accident by the time I go there, then I know I have my wife, but, but God wants me to have a girlfriend too. So people begin to be twisted in their mindset. And so we want to be set free from all deception. The Bible says that, that the, the devil has lied to men, covered his eyes so he cannot see, so he cannot serve God with excellence. I, I purport this morning that we say, Lord, I want there to be reality in my devotion, substance in my worship. I want to be a real Christian. Uh, I had a man a couple of weeks ago says, well, you know something? Uh, I like to hang out with people that are not Christians, and I don't like to let them know that I'm a Christian, so I just, I just blend in there. I'm, I'm. And I said, brother, if you're going to listen to me for the first 10 seconds, 15 seconds, wherever I go all the time, 100% of the time, everybody knows I love Jesus Christ immensely, powerfully. I'm not going to sit there and blend in. I'm not a chameleon. God didn't give me that. I'm going to love Jesus Christ wherever I'm at and show people what a real Christian is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all of my life. Let's stand this morning. Ask God. Ask God for his spirit to come upon you, for his grace that teaches you to deny ungodliness, that prepares you for the coming of the Lord. The devil has us convinced that we can't know God, that we can't follow God, that we can't be faithful to God. Uh, those first couple of years as a Christian, um, it was like being in the boxing ring. The devil had a right hook. He had a left hook. He had an over. He, had, he, he was coming at me. I was on the ground the whole time. Beating me up left and right, black and blues, being discouraged, and then saying, you better not stand up, you hypocrite. I said, look, I'd rather be a hypocrite than give up and stay down here with you. I'm going to continue to stand up. I'm going to continue to fight. I'm going to continue to press forward. All the things that are, are showing forth in our lives in these days and still what's left to come is, is the fruit of reality. 
And we've been challenged on that on every front. We've had people say, hey, pastor, be careful. Somebody follow you. And then they see who the real you is. And I'm like, I hope they follow me because they're going to get saved. <laughs> they're going to see who the real son of God is. Not by my merit, not by my strength, by his grace, by his goodness, by his mercy, by a continual devotion to continue to place all my thoughts, all my words, all my steps saturated in his presence and purpose so that the devil doesn't, who is it? El diablo, nobody's home. I don't talk to the devil. I don't listen to the devil. I don't want anything the devil has to do or say or be. Let's be filled with light in his presence. Let's invite the worshipers to come forward. And, and you know something? I believe that, that if we press into genuine, authentic reality, the real, real, real thing, this, is, this evidence is seen when people search for it. I'm, I'm just wondering. This one day, my, my younger brother came into my office and he decided to go into my computer and he went deep, 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 deep. Let me see the cookies. Let me see the cookies where this man has been. And when I got, I got to the office after work one afternoon and I, I got to my office and he, he was sitting at my desk. He was here on vacation from his dental school, I mean from his uh, medical school. And he turned to me, he says, you are real. I was like, what's wrong with him? What do you mean real? He goes, yeah, I went deep into your life where you sat at your desk in your law office for years and I didn't find any rotten cookies. I didn't find that you're, you're dabbling into the doo-doo. Well, what people are going to look at when they see you, I, I'm going to tell you one thing. One pastor, five sons. This is a pastor. Five sons. One of his sons comes home from high school one day, from college, and he goes into his house and opens the door and sees his father having sex with another man. What do you do then? What do you do? You know who's the only one that is never going to become a Christian if God's grace doesn't set him free and deliver him? Is that pastor's son. Is that pastor's son. So how awful it is for your children to see that you have a double life. That Jesus Christ is not Lord in some hidden crevice of your life. That you're bowing down to money. That you're bowing down to your retirement account that you're bowing down to to God your fears they want to see a dad who loves Jesus Christ who honors Jesus Christ who who is passionately trying to please Jesus Christ and and we owe it to our families but then to this world to quit playing games one of the reason many of the chairs in this church are empty is because we've told people we are not gonna play with your games Take your games to another circus. We want our kids to see real Christianity, real Christ. People who love God, who love God, want to serve Him, want to learn about Him. Father, we give you thanks this morning.
for your word manifests and we're able to see ourselves as in a mirror we can say mirror <clears throat> who's real who's real what is the real reflection of a real Christian who has received salvation the washing in the blood the regeneration in your spirit the renewal if anyone is in Christ he is a new creature new creation all things have passed behold everything is made brand new get darkness out of our lives God let your light so shine let your blood so wash let your spirit so renew that we're not conformed to the desires of the flesh and of this world and corruption that there be no rotten cookies in our lives so that this world might see the genuineness of our devotion in matters spiritual to the Lord Jesus Christ and if anyone here Lord is held by the chains of darkness and sin you promise that your anointing breaks the yoke break the chains oh God that we might be free to serve you entirely that we might see with our eyes and hear with our ears and surrender our hearts to shine for your glory and to be a church that is a city on a hill a light that shines in the midst of darkness declarations of truth to what we have seen and heard and touched and what has been made manifest to us raise up a generation of men and women who love you without reservation without limits 24 7 365 all the days of our life continue to form us oh God as vessels of honor for your glory meet sufficient fit for every good work in Jesus name we pray and the house of God says amen amen and amen Greet one another in the love of the Lord.